You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got the kiln fired up. We've got the furnace prepped. We're about to unsheath the laser fire of Torah. Yes, Rizcha Daraisa is coming your way. But first, you've heard me on this platform touting NRS, a great company whose many dedicated employees I get to see in action. NRS Pay has recently launched its new cost-cutting program called Cash Discount. The way it works is any vendor using NRS Pay Cash Discount has their sale register tabulating automatically a dual pricing, which offers customers a choice of a cash payment, which could result in an up to 4% discount over swiping their card. If your business meets the $18,000 a month threshold, there's absolutely no monthly fee to incur. NRS Pay Cash Discount makes it less expensive to accept credit cards, so you'll save money while helping your customers save at the same time. NRS is offering a time-limited deal right now on this state-of-the-art system. You'll get a free card reader with zero hidden fees, no long-term contract, and no early termination fee, which means you can switch your processing plan without penalty. NRS Pay is a proud part of the IDT Corporation that I've been associated with for over 10 years and has integrity built into its corporate DNA. I know its founder, its officers, and salespeople, and they truly stand by their product and will help you with live stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Check nrspay.com for more information or call 833-289-2767. And now... Rishadaraisa, coming your way. Get ready. If it's Erev Shabbos Kaidish, this must be Rishadaraisa. I'm here with Rabbi Yisav Gavriel Bechofer. And I'll tell you that uh, we have been rocking through a sea of very strong emotions over the last couple of weeks as we come to almost four weeks since the terrible war. But today, Rabbi Yosef sent me something that makes me feel comfortable. As much as it's really a byproduct of war and of the terrible situation, the heartbreaking situation of soldiers having been called up to the front, it really restores us to, I think, where we live, which is basically in the world of halacha, but also to be critical about chidushim and halacha and uh, to be suspect when those chidushim do arise. And there are a couple of chidushim and halacha that Rabbi Yosef made me aware of. It has to do really with soldiers who have been called away, stripped from their families, and having to be able, perhaps at times, to come back without warning, because for security reasons, they can't necessarily use their cell phones on the Steyakrav, and if they are allowed a visit back home, uh, there is one psak that we're going to be talking about from my friend, Reb David Bigman, and he mentions uh, some other people there, including a friend of mine, Reb David Stav, who I spoke to yesterday, who agrees with the token psak. There's also a psak written by Reb Avi Volfish that also he seems to say that he has haskomas from other Rabonim in terms of the uh, soldiers before they leave. Now, these questions are, have to do with Hilchas Nida. And uh, Hilchas Nida, of course, is something that most of our listeners are probably familiar with, but maybe they don't have a complete idea of. So let, let's give a little bit of, of background here. Women who menstruate are Nida Minatera, and 
Nida is a Yisrachomer and Yisrachores, and Chazal have added Siogim Gedores, but it would seem that the Siogim Gedores have to do primarily in terms of when we talk about Yisrach Nida, have to do with acts and actions and passing things and uh, sitting and eating together. And these are clearly Takonos uh, Chazal. It is not so clear, of course, when it comes to hugging and caressing. Here, there seems to be a machlekas, of course, the famous machlekas, the Rambam and, and the Ramban, whether hugging and kissing a woman when she's in this Nida state is a Yisr Darais or not. It would seem that even the Ramban, a close reading of the Ramban, indicates that if we're talking about a foreplay, then it would seem that every, even the Ramban admits that this is Isurei Daraisa. But there is a question if it's what we're talking about is a kirva that's not necessarily Lidechibaspia. We know that in certain situations, the Psakalocha does allow. Women, uh, especially if it's a woman who's helping out her, her, her husband who isn't well in order to give him balance and being able to move and perhaps get to some sort of appointment. And there's also actually cool is going the other way in terms of men, not even their, uh, especially if they're not the woman's husband to be makeable in terms of touching and being involved with a woman, uh, being mashamish as as we know is allowed for doctors. So there are certain, uh, there is a certain gray area that is, is fleshed out by the Paiskalocha in terms of physical contact. Well, we get, that was an admirable introduction, and now we should put something else on the table, which we'll have to come back to later on, which is the reality is, which always to me is disturbing, even though I'm a very broad-minded individual, when I go to uh, some modern Orthodox communities, is that we see that the men and women hug and kiss each other independently of whether they're married to each other or married to other people. And in my Orthodox community, obviously, there is some different perspective on Harchakos, which the more black hat community sees as being the basics in this area. But the Heterim that Hirsch and Hildesheim and others relied on, not just the Shasatchak, that they won't be Makabo, is that this is merely a way of showing, extending their Heretz as opposed to necessarily getting close to that person. The, the point, though, is is that there are places, even before these uh, Wallfish and company uh, get into the act, where we see chilukim between different types of touching and and perhaps even holding. And now we come to Wallfish's psak. We're gonna. I'm leaving the juicy one for later, which I think is to me more interesting. But let's talk about Wallfish's psak first, which is that if the um, the, the the young, brave, tremendous man uh, who we have to be machabed so much, and I, again, I I'm so moved by any of these soldiers that have to go immediately, like they did on October seventh, and all the time that they have to leave to go and leave their families even if their wives are in a state of what we would call a menstrual impurity, uh, they are nidos, that especially if, as Walfish points out, they consense with each other that they need the chizuk of the hug to, before they leave, that she could give him a hug goodbye. Now, again, no one is, uh, I think, downplaying the drama and pathos of having to leave, especially now. It isn't just, you know, I'm going to Camp Pendleton and meet Gomer Pyle 
And therefore, you can imagine the type of fear and trepidation and anxiety. So it's on this Eureka that Wolfish says that the Zug in question should allow themselves, if they feel they need it, to get that goodbye hug, especially. And again, I, I think one of the things he, he mentions it on both sides, if you, if I recall, one of them is in terms of the wife, based on the Gemara and Nida that you feel so But Walfish also speaks about, and here I think I, he, I think he was on sentimental and nebulous territory, uh, which is that the man needs it. He needs it somehow to be able to go out there. He needs the he needs that strength that, for his morale to be a better fighter. And that somehow Walfish implies that getting that hug is going to sort of make him the soldier he needs to be. Well, the most the most absurd thing he which he writes, of course, is that the uh, this is when the Rambam says that uh, you can you have to forget about your wife and children in battle and just focus on the battle. The only way you can get that situation is if you give her a hug before you leave. If anything, it's a raya lehepech, right, Rabbi Yosef? Because, yes. because, okay, the same way the Rambam says you've got to turn yourself into stone. Yeah, so, yeah, okay. Now that you got the call up, you're the soldier right now, right? It's true. You happen to be in your dira in, you know, in, 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 in Modi'in or wherever you are. But right now you're already that soldier. And right now you already have to start building that up. I, of course, both of us are sympathetic to what the, the, the issue involved without going out saying and that there, one would wish to be Mako. But this Kiddush Lalochu, which Rabbi, I don't even know this Rabbi Walfish is, and most of the people he quotes, they don't know who they are. And there's certainly not the caliber of Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Oyerbach, or Moshe Feinstein. This Kiddush, which he has in Chibas, Kurba, and Chibas, Bia. Come on. Who gave you the right to such a chilo? It's a tremendous, tremendous chiddush. I understand, uh, you know, a, a, a fellow of my acquaintance once said that, you know, he, he has to go with his wife to the hospital after she had a miscarriage and she was devastated and she was in shock and he put, he had to push her to go somewhere. Okay. That's not, he was anything, obviously. In other words, there's something called a hug because you're sick and depressed and you need support, which is sort of like a chayla. And then there's a hug of of kurva that of, but not necessarily sexual. I think that's the point. Now, do you agree that you could have a, a, a woman who's who, who's who's who fears perhaps uh, going up a, a on a steep elevator on a climb? We know that's similar to Mishamish Sadofek. That's not a, a, a means for something. That's not a, right. a, a, a But what he says is there's clearly, he, what he wants to carve out is, and this is what you're responding to, that it's kurva, but it's not chibas bia. It's not, it's not foreplay and it's not anything that is even in that domain. And that's where you find a place to disagree with him. I mean, personally, I, I'd much rather do good with all the need if I could. Uh, that's part of the Kabbalist oil of Judaism. That's part of the Kabbalist oil of uh, Yadus, is that there are these halakas, which as uh, red-blood American males or red-blood Israeli males don't appeal to us. Here's my problem. Look, you're right. You need, you need to be a bigger person than Volfish to say it. I do think there's a malcolm for it. But my point is, I think, that like you say, he does it. As a as something to be mafarsim without going to a gedolei hayro, and what I would say even further on this specific question, eighty percent of the people 
who are in this situation, I would assume probably if their wife, they look in their wife's eyes and they see how she's welling up in tears and then you could tell, would probably go and hug their wife anyway. Now, did you need to issue up sock being matter that? Look, there are certain times that Lamoshal, uh, you know, the, like the Rambam says in Moronavuchim, that we couldn't legislate against Kehanim uh, going to the funerals or being at the bedside of their of their father, mother, wife while they were dying, because it's a it's innate human feeling that we don't legislate for. So Einachinami, the Torah in this way, in this Kiddush of the Rambam, is matir tumas kaihanim for these kroivim because it can't legislate against emotion. I would say in the same way for many many people. You're right. There are people that are uh, that are takif bideyoseim. Uh, and our, and our, and understand that diktuk and halacha is the kiyum of Klal Yisrael and gives them a, a chiyus ruchni. But I would assume for most people, they would not be able to resist. But you know what? You don't necessarily write that in a safer. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's, it, it's a reality that they are going to get a hug. Okay. You know what? Good. Gamarnu. And it makes sense. And if I, 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 I would assume that most of our listeners would probably say, yeah, <laughs> if they were going away to die, and they saw and what they felt, and they saw their wives looking at them, and they would have to leave. Perhaps they also would turn back and, and, and at least have one last hug before they were going out to possible death. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we that we need to write a mimer uh, uh, to be moderate. Uh, basically, I believe it's the prima guardian, but although it's a tribute to other people who say not everything a person thinks, a person says, not everything a person says, a person writes, not everything a person writes, a person publishes. I think this predates the Prima Godim. I think it's already in the Rambam's Hakdom at the Ashmad. Before he begins his fusillade against the Rav HaMachmir, who told these Jews living in Muslim countries who had gone into mosques and had taken the Shvua from Muhammad, uh, that they were and they were terrible and that they all their mitzvahs don't mean anything anymore. He gives an introduction about what does it mean to send a psak? And he actually starts that way. Not everything you think you, not everything you think you say, not everything you say you write, and everything you write you don't write in a way for for public, for public consumption. Uh, this one is also something which I think didn't have to be written. One that's a little more I wouldn't call it nefarious, but I think it's a it's a little different is the hayra in another area that's related. So far, we mentioned the idea of Nida and Harchakosai. Now, one of the halachas that is connected to Hilchas Nida is the Shmiras of Shiva Nikiyam, which, of course, in the Torah, is connected to the Din of Zova, which is an unnatural menstrual period. It might feel a little bit like uh, the Zman Nida, but if a woman is, is really involved in her in her calendar properly, she'll know that there's one period that represents her usual menstrual cycle, and then there's the unnatural one. The unnatural one, the Torah is very machmir about in terms of that uh, when it occurs, a carbon must be brought and before she could even uh, bring that carbon, uh, she needs, and when she can get out of that state, she needs to have what's called Shiva Nikiyam, seven clean days. There's a question exactly how she knows she's clean and, you know, she wears the white clothing and checking herself. Suffice to say, it is a, especially it is one of the most uh, Homer aspects of Hilchas Nida because unless she has those Shiva Nikiyam, then she's not allowed to go to the mikvah. Now, the fact al pitayra, uh, a nida and a zava, which is what, this, what I was mentioning, are different. 
However, already in the time of Rabbi Yudha Nossi, there was already a confusion on the part of women to figure out what was this blood that they were seeing. Now, there also was confusion about, am I in my nidus or am I in my ziva? And you can imagine, you know, neither of us have had menstrual cycles and know about that, but we've living with people who do, and it is something that you have to hold cup. Also, there was also other types of bleeding that occurred from women that wasn't necessarily Nidus blood or Ziva blood, but the women mistakenly might have thought that it was the onset of their period, and therefore when they bled later, they assumed it was Ziva bleeding and not need the bleeding, which was because they they had been machmir incorrectly. So, because of the confusion, Rebuda Nossi already was masakin that any woman who bleeds for three days, uh, she already is mechuyiv to be machmir and assume that she was a zova, and she has to wait uh, another six days till she can become tahar. Even though midaraisa, all it is is seven days, and that night you can go to the mikvah later. In the time of Reb Zeir, and we know that's about the second uh, generation of Amarayim, that we have the statement, that even if it's less than three days of bleeding, even if it's a drop like a mustard seed, but we know it seems to be blood to her, they were already machmir, that they should treat every bleeding like kazov, which would mean that you'd have to have shivanikiyim. It isn't just like minatora where you can bleed till the seventh day, and as long as you stop bleeding on the last day, uh, you're able to go to the mikvah that night. Here, you'd have to have seven days, which are ascertained by checking. Now, there's one other aspect here that goes along with the B'nai Yisrael Chmir There's another chumrah here as well. We know that once you treat a woman like a zova, and she has to count shivanikiyim, that... She has to be actually clean and not tame at all. Now, there is a, we're not talking about her touching a mace during the Shivanikiyam, but there is a type of tuma that will ruin the Shivanikiyam. And we learned this out from Psukim by Matan Torah. And these are the fact that if she had had sexual relations with her husband right before she became a Zava, and during the Shivanikiyam, um, some of the shichvazera that was still was inside of her through this sex act is exuded. That shichvazera ruins whatever day she was counting, and she has to count again. This is called in here in the lashon of Chazal piletes shichvazora. And again, there's another aspect here that it has to have occurred within three days. Because if if Shikhvazera exudes from her body after three days, post three days of coitus, that Shikhvazera is not considered uh, a real Shikhvazera that ruins the counting. So because women might have had sex right before uh, they became Zovis, so therefore they can't just start counting seven days right away. They have to wait till they are out of the danger zone of Shikva Zera being pilot. So there's a, there's there's been almost a unanimous halachic assumption. Yes, there are Rishonim that that are quoted in this Psak that disagree, but the Das of Reva Paiskim and Shulchan Arach is that even a woman who has not engaged in sexual activity has to be machmir before she counts the Shivanikiyam that she should have those the, the three days 
plus the possibility of the day before, according to the Ramah, and also some of the day after, which turns into essentially five days of waiting, even if she's only bleeding a small amount, which is really why for most Ashkenazi Jewish girls, they will have to wait a minimum of 12 days from the time they start their period. Now, uh, in, it's pointed out that according to the Psaka of the Shulchan Aruch, that you, it's actually four days from the time of the last Tashmish, and therefore it's it's rogel by Poskim to say for Sfardim you could be Mako perhaps one day one day earlier. So it's either the night of the 13th or the night of the 12th. Okay, so now the question is, and this is where my friend Rabdavid Bigman the Rosh Hashiva Milo Gilboa, along with Rabbanit Michal Tukoczynski, issued a one-page hayra that said, for all these women, not the ones who are saying goodbye, the women who have already said goodbye and probably hugged their husband based on wallfish, right? Those women should also, when they, be, when they become nidos, they should be mekel because they never know based on the security issues that I mentioned before, when their husband might arrive. And it's if their husband arrives and he discovers that the Oihel is not Tahar, like the Jews post Matan Torah, what's going to happen, I think he says, is this, they already know, and again, it's interesting how so much information has already come to them in the last couple of weeks, like about this in such, a, such an empirical way, that how crucial it is that when they arrive back, that the husband and wife can engage in full sexual activity. Therefore, what the woman needs to do, we're not going to be mater anida, but what we could do is basically do away with the piletes shechvazera part. That means that they don't have to wait the uh, commensurate five days, especially if the woman knows that she has not been intimate because the guy was somewhere in, in, in either Lebanon, near Lebanon or near Gaza, and therefore the, 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 the soldier wasn't there. He wasn't around. So based, and again, he quotes your, 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 uh, the safer that you're so heavily involved in, there are Hashulchan, which does seem to intimate that there's room to be makel in, 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 in various situations to allow this woman as soon basically as she stops bleeding to uh, basically do a, uh, a douche and a uh, internal cleaning of herself in a way that makes sure that there is no blood in that area. And in that way, she will be able to already start counting the Shivanikiyam earlier than the five days or the four days. And encourage women to do this. So this way, when their husband shows up, there's a greater chance that intimacy can follow pi halacha. Because look what's going to happen if he shows up and she says, oh, Uzi, I'm so happy to see you, but unfortunately, I can't hug you. The the sort of dikaon and depression that will go on, who knows, that again will be a morale killer. And and Klau Yisrael needs a happy soldiers. But I think that's about the, I don't have the psak in front of you. I think that's basically it, correct? Yes. Now, I, he actually quotes on the bottom of the psak. He says that even though it's only him and Rabbanit, and, and you're basically, uh, tell us again who this, who the, the Rabbanits are from. Are these from Nishmat? Who are these Rabbanits from exactly? No, these are from Midrashat Lindenbaum. They're, they, um, Rabbi uh, Riskin came several years ago. 
devised a smicha uh, program for women. I think it was before the Marat program in America. And uh, basically, these Rabbaniyot, who are graduates of this program, have uh, a heter horah from Rabbi Riskin and I guess the other people in the program to go out and ask the actually pass in Shilas, not just give Aetis. You know, this, this heter to be Mako, and again, you know, he quotes the Rosh and the Ramban. He even quotes the Rivad, and I'm surprised what David Bigman does, because then he says, well, the Rivad, of course, says it's only the whole Chumra Pilata Sheikh Vazera was not about passing a, a woman's Shivanikim uh, for her husband, but rather only it was a Chumra that was only when you were Osik Bitaharis. And if we're not, we're not Osik Bitaharis Bismanazer. So therefore, the Pilata Sheikh Vazera doesn't count. But again, he feels that these Rishonim. Or you could die with Mechalean in what's considered here a Shas Hatchak, a Shas Chirmu Yisrael. Rabdava Bigman writes on the bottom that this Psak, although their names are not here, is agree- was agreed to, and he mentions, he mentions one person who was my old Chavrusa. That's Rabdavid Stav, the Rav of Shoham, and the, 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 uh, the person who was the Rosh, the Rosh of, uh, of, of Tsohar, uh, who was my old Chavrusa in 10th grade. And, uh, I called him up. And I asked him, I said, you know, your name's on there. So he felt that the Psaki agreed with it. He told me he agreed with it. However, Abdavid Sa did say, and this gets us into our part, that not to be Mako on Shivanikiam. The Degel for this, I think, was famously flown in 2006 or 2007 uh, by Dr. Daniel Rosnick in a safer that really, it seems like, was a big hit. Chazoras Tahara Liyoshna, sort of like a play on Chazoras Ateris Liyoshna, became Chazoras Tahara Liyoshna. It was reported that when he was pushing this book, he would engage in roundtable discussions with various Rabbanim, and he would plead his case, saying that this is a terrible thing. We The Chachamim need to be ma'akered this because there are so many, and this is a term that he might have coined, but I'm seeing it now all over the literature. It's called akarot hilchotiot. Akaros based on halacha. Women who can't become pregnant because they ovulate too late. And therefore, because again, using the, the equation I said before, which is the five and seven, many of these women were only ovulating earlier on day 10 or 11, or Rabbi Yosef, women who didn't bleed a concise five days, women whose bleeding was lasting more. Cause remember, women, it's, it, it's not the flow, even stains and, and ksamim, uh, as, as it's called in halacha, also create a problem. And because of that, you have women who can't get the hefsik tyra, which means a bedika in that area with a complete tahor situation from sometimes over a week. Now, if you then have a, a seven or eight days till they can get a hefsik tyra, and then seven complete days of 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 what we call the emeziva, so to speak, so many of these women were missing their ovulation date. And although they went to the mikvah and had relations with their husbands, their chances of getting pregnant were nil. Yeah, so we're, we're just kind of skeptical about this because uh, I don't think that, but no, I think if anything, the way I understood what I'm is that the way halakha structure is almost designed to make sure women get pregnant. Yes, which is what Arya Katz, who is, works from Mahon Pua, sketches out in his defense of against Rosnick, where he says, Farkert, Really, <laughs> it actually worked the opposite because, in other words, 
in the old before the Benaisis Ochmiratsman, and before that, what would happen is the woman would go to the mikvah and that would and she'd miss the ovulation day. In other words, the big happy super moment of her coming back from the mikvah, where you expect Tashmish to happen, was usually before the ovulation. And therefore women often, you know, for weren't missed the ovulation date. Whereas here, 12 and 13 was pretty close to the average ovulation date of most women. So yes, you're correct that in some ways it actually helped. But again, for women who were bleeding longer, it wasn't to help. Anyway, the point was Rosnick came up with uh, numbers which were startling. He said 25% in the Haredi world of, 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 of fertility issues were due to this. And he said what was therefore what was happening was there was depression. There was also women that felt that the only thing they can do is now take hormone pills that should limit the days of their bleeding, various other sorts of uh, medications and shots. Also, another thing that women were doing was something which was also interesting halachic discussion was they knew they were missing their ovulation date for coitus in a normal fashion. So what they would do was they would allow going to Rabbonim and allowing uh, getting a head for their husband to be Mazria, for their husband to ejaculate in a way that would allow his sperm to be inserted into her before she actually went to the mikvah while she was still in Nida before, because this way, and this got into another question, which he felt was psychologically damaging, and he also felt that it was medically damaging, that who knows what these 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 estrogen shots and or these other sorts of, of medicines that would be taken actually cause a possible cancer a cancer harm for these women, and clearly the the type of pain of infertility leads to depression, and in many ways, and here I think he's right, uh, Rosnick, for many of these couples, they just said, hey, forget it. We're just going to fool around even though you're still Anita. And that would, of course, maybe give them some temporary salve and a balm to what they were doing, but would eventually make them even feel worse, or they would just stop being from. <laughs> because they say, yeah, this whole thing is a crock, and let's just forget about Hilchas Nita altogether. So this is why Rosnick was, was put out a clarion call. Now, it's interesting that Big Mun, who gave this heter here, was actually the main combatant, our man Bigman, who wants to be Matir, in this case, the Paleta Sheikh Vazera part. In other words, that you don't need the five complete days, assuming she's not a heavy bleeder, but he was the one who was fighting tooth and nail against the being Matir, uh, the Shivanikiyam. And it's, it's interesting, though, he says, and, and I mentioned this to David Stav yesterday, I said, I didn't know that Rab David Bigman is the postsake for the modern Orthodox world. And it, it seems like before he became Rosh Hashiv in Mala Gilboa, he was Makabal Shimush, who he calls Gedoyle Hiroa from Haifa. And he says, if you remember, Rav David Bigman says that he has in his Amtachtai, he has in his, in his, in his, in his valise, not his literal valise, but his mental valise, he has many, many heterim that don't include being Matir, the Shivanikiyam. He actually says some smart things there, but I was surprised that, you know, he, he, he writes there, and I have no reason to doubt that in this Mikzoy, it sounds like he actually was involved in many, many, uh, psukim for many individual couples. Uh, if you read the art, if you read what he writes to, um, Rosnick, 
he says he thinks the problem is not so much the halacha itself, but it's about the attitude towards halacha. He feels that if you consult a Pesach with this problem, that you will be able to solve it. Not just one consultation. You need to work with the Pesach, and there are certain heterim that he has. He doesn't say what they are, but I assume that they have to do with certain kulas in Pelete Sheikh Vazera in the five days, certain kulas, uh, perhaps, you know, how to read some of the aspect of the Shivanikiyam. But he feels that this is something that can be done by continuous involvement with the Pesach. He decries there, and I, I, I'm right with him, the internet Piske Dinim, the telephone call of Piske Dinim. Which he just issued. Yes. You work with the Pesach, the Pesach will be able to help you. He says, that, that, he says that's the problem. I, I think, however, uh, you know, I, I want to also mention in this regard uh, Yuval Shurlo, who he was on panel against Dr. Rosnick, and um, he mentions, if you saw, that he has ways to be matir uh, the Shivanikiyam. He says that Poisek halocha rishoy levater al chelik me'ayom emanikiyam v'af lachzor v'dino daraisa dinatirah habasisi but he refused to indicate the nekudot, nekuditit, al situatius hamatzikos chariga shikazu. Ach romas kiyadif et lekatzer shivas hayomim b'mikra efsharet hayichida shalisha laharot hu beemtzet azram melachotit. Basically, what Shurlo says is he does have ways to be matter even shivanikiyim, but he doesn't want to do away with it. And he again, he's he's in the middle here. He's not like Rosnik, who just wants to give do away with it. But he does feel that there are ifanim that you can be matter. And he says, and again, to go back to the dindaraisa. And he and I think he says something smart here, where he says that he feels that the whole talich of artificial insemination has a lot of psychological difficulties. And however. Uh, I think Shurlow, uh, I, I'd love to hear what he has to say. I think he would even be matir, as he says, in certain situations, shivanikiyam, but not to be done in a public forum. So what do we, what do we accomplish here? I think what we see here is that these wartime psalkim, I think, are a piece of a bigger attitude, uh, attitudinal uh, direction towards uh, intimacy in Jewish law. No one is trying to deny the the difficulty of the situation, but I think both of us agree that these psokim are being issued in the spirit from Rabbonim, who I think would be mishtamish with similar heterim for different other types of situations. And those heterim themselves, I think, have to be decried because you need tremendous places to be able to do that. I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this before in the program. Uh, Rabbi Schlesinger, Rabbi Meir Schlesinger, Rosh Hashiva and Shalvin, who just turned 90 years old, he told us that he met, there was a couple in the irreligious kibbutz near Shalvin of Mishmari alone, who once came to him and said, Would you teach us here, but only to the rices, not the rabbis, and not into Western rabbis. He went to Shlomo Zalman and asked him, Shlomo Zalman, am I allowed to teach her the rices and not the rabbis? Shlomo Zalman said, we don't have two Torahs, the Rais and the Rabban, there's only one Torah in Halacha, and you can't teach the Rises without the Rabbanans. 
Uh, I don't think Rosh Zalman was saying perhaps which would be to all these uh, rabbis a tremendous finish that we can't bend the rules. Even if we'd like to bend rules, there's a logic to bending the rules. And again, it doesn't make me happy, but it's part of the Kabbalah soil. You know, again, I'm going to do one last name dropping here, and I think this is an important one. I want to mention in this regard probably the most prestigious known as a posik of all the names here, and that's Rabbi Eliezer Melamed. Rabbi Eliezer Melamed, uh, I think, has emerged in many ways as a go-to Pesach for the Anglo-modern Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael. That's by the way, it's Farah Putin Kherim. The Penine Halach or Putin Kherim. Yes, specifically the Bama Osnida. So, right, and I sent you one of, and, and you can see uh, in an article that's easily available online, that Lezer Malamed, who, again, who Rabbi David Bigman says agrees to this psaac, I think you see where this is coming from. Rabbi Malamed, try, he develops the whole idea of siogos and humrus, and he, he, he posits that in Bayez Rish and Lamoshal, there was, there was more of a ruach of nevuah, the pure connection to God, on the Torah Shabbat level, that you didn't need these types of chumras, yeseros, or any type of siyakim. And we know that they, it was only, as he says, from the Anshe Knesset Sagdeva that they started making siyakos. So he already puts in a philosophical sense that siyakos and gedorim have to do with the chalishas hadoyres. That, that's one thing. And he, he mentions that, that we, you would think that why weren't, you know, it was only by Rebbe that First, these chumras came in where the nida becomes a zava, a chumra. And then the, the door of Rabzeira, uh, two generations later. He posits that in the time of, he has two reasons why these chumras didn't develop in the time of Bayesheni. One of them was because it would lead to too much time of a woman being a nida in a house. And therefore, she would, be, she would interact and make too many things tome, whether it was kochim or taharis or hulin that were eaten altiris hakodesh, and therefore, even though there might have been a reason to make gedarim and siogais as they did for basar oif, but this takana was never instituted because it would be a mania for vibrant kochim uh, holy life. This is a, 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 an idea that he says. The other thing Rav Malamed says is that he believes that the Harchokas came in not out of pure Amaratsus, like it's mashram from the Gemara, that the women didn't know and, and they got confused, but rather it had to do with the general idea of being Moinea Tainug post the Churban. That post the Churban, there's this idea that you can't, like we know, uh, there's the statement that Rishmo ben Elisha Gaingodl that, that really we shouldn't drink wine, we shouldn't be Isaac in, 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 in any sort of living with our wives because of the Churban. And he feels that attitude was a prevalent one. This happens to me in the Takana that Benozi saw Kibu Asma, Shapi Ros Shiba the Deepas Dam Kakabu Yosha Shiba Nakim. It's not the fault of the Chazal, the women themselves. I'm if you're anything, women after women want to break from their husbands, so they said, "Forget it, guys." Now, and every time you want to say "tibas you're off limits. 
So I don't think I would make it telling the Korban. Well, right, which again, so he, again, he, he points out, Malamed, that it started with Rabbi Nosi, and this was just an additional Chumrah, but he makes it clear that somehow, hey, Hefshel Likvoyas Yogim, that could be Mavato, the two mitzvahs, Gedeiwes, mitzvahs Oino, or mitzvahs Pruervu. So he says, Elishalachar Shenechra Beis Amikdosh, Orvokol Simcha. We don't have the Simcha. Vaaf mitzvahs Oino Nifka. So that's the part where he seems to be connecting this yog with a lower madrega of Klal Yisrael, a madrega of a madrega of Klal Yisrael in Golis, in Churvin. Then he says something which I think here is Osir Lahagid. That if you want to know why the sexual act is so holy, you need to go back to the the Kodesh Akdoshim, which in Bayes Rishon, on Bayes Sheni, he's talking here about the fact that the that in the Kodesh Akdoshim, what you had was was the Kruvim, and here he makes a here it's Walfish's Kruvim, not the Kruvim he wants, because he writes, and again, Rav Malamed. We'd love your Talmudim to respond here, but this sounds to me like antinomian stuff. I think Shabsi Tzvi would be happy with this. That the image that they had was the way a man is Mekayim Oina with his wife. I agree that it was Zohar v'nekeva. And he quotes the Gemara Nida that they held up, that they held up the Kruvim, Kechiba Zohar v'nekeva. That is true. But it doesn't mean that there was genitals. There doesn't mean that it was Bitsuras. It wasn't like, oh, they're, they're involved in, they're involved in, 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 in sex. They're hugging each other. They're, they're hugging each other, but they're not having sex with each other. That's the guy said. Right. The Goyim said, okay, look how this is erotica. That's true. The Goyim came out and said, yeah, but that doesn't mean that the crew. That, that was not the crew. That was a crew in which the says which are the picking on the walls. The true, but even walls. if you assume they looked exactly the same, the one that was on the Kodesh Akdoshim, the one that was armed, that they were made in the same way, and even the ones on the wall magically or uh, spiritually turned to each other, turning to each other, hugging each other, l- loving each other in an embrace is not suras ish ve'isha be'es kiyam mitzvah so'ino. And he says that, he's right, that once people stop doing Ritzayinu Shalmokoim, nifru akruvim. And then he quotes another chazal, miyom shechara be'samikdosh nitla tam bia ve'nitna This sounds a little bit puerile, doesn't it? Yes. Especially because I would say the main thing, the Simon Akim, according to Rabbi Mayer, is probably meant to be marbe and get back some of that, you know, Tom, Tom, Tom Bia. The, the fact that they're separated for so long gives it more uh, romantic uh, impact. Yes, he, he might have something in the fact that, you know, there's something about uh, being Mamayat. But I would say again, you, you know, maybe that's a reason why Bishas Achirum we shouldn't be so concerned about this, right? You know, and again, was our heart goes out. But I, I think Rav Eliezer Malamid, and I guess what we're trying to say here is that I think his mahalach here is in somewhat nifgam 
I think, you know, I, I appreciate him trying to give a machshava element to uh, the idea of the Chumr of Shivanakiyam, but I think by doing so, he he allows the he allows the Chumrah of Shivanakiyam also to fall by the wayside, even though David Bigman doesn't want that to happen, and he probably doesn't want it to happen. But I think the way he introduces it as a aspect of how of Golis, that's an aspect of Chumras HaGolis, and that it comes through the Pagam of, of, of Hurban, you can readily see how Fabrent uh, Tzioyni uh, would say, Fakert, right? That now that we have our country, and now that we now have... Now we have the Harapais again. <laughs> and that's why I'm so happy we did this, because we've taken it out of the wartime, although it was an issue that developed, as I said, through war. But I think its its roots have to do with, A, just to repeat here, with the modern Orthodox Kulas Bechlal in this area. And I think the over-emotionalizing and trying to, to, to use the, the modern inability to, to suck it up, you know, to be tough, to be macabre. Right. Basically, basically that's, we're talking about, yes, Jewish life is hard. It's hard to see your husband go away to war. It's hard to, for women to wear sheitlach. It's hard for them to spend the half of the month also from their husbands. It, it, it is very, very difficult. Really, I was thinking that it's really the, when you're at the end of the parasha, that's the Akeda. The Akash Baruch Hu asks uh, for Akedas. That's part of it. Look, and, and there is a simcha in discipline. And that simcha, of course, is what uh, allows the army to be successful. I should mention also that Mulamid uh, quotes a Meshachachma in Parsha's Bay that be may a geula, that Rebbe's takon is going to fall by the wayside. And he also says that af ain biadenu samchas lavatel minig sheskabo kalacha psuka or dechach mei atalmud. But he says. This takana is based on our low spiritual status. So what's the yogain? The yogin is that we have these takonos that stop us from from engaging in the type of sexual activity that we'd like to, right? We'll finally get rid of this, the yogin, the yogin v'anocha. So Rabbi Yisai, uh, we'll hopefully be back soon. And Rabbi Yosef and I will be, although, uh, what does it say? Oim raglenu The raglenu of the chayolim should say shtark. We'll be, we're going to be oimed on, on the shar here. And hopefully not allow, as Vavyosa would say, Ziafatera to ever insert itself. We'll be there with uh, as as as, as Kanoyim. Be well, my friends. See you next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, shalom. Mm-hmm.